0: Welcome to the Marion Road Christian Church Podcast. Marion Road exists to glorify God through worship, sharing the good news, making and developing disciples, and serving others. Well, today we continue our examination of the life of Jesus as recorded by Mark in his gospel. So far we've heard the voice of John the Baptist, way for the Lord. We've seen the readiness of Jesus as he submitted himself to baptism, and we've seen his commitment further tested as he was tempted in the wilderness. Finally, he begins his work of proclamation, and the message, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. So, what is this kingdom of God that John talks about, that Jesus talks about. What does that terminology mean? Well, first of all, uh, at least in this context, it is not a territory. He's not talking about a specific area or anything like that. It's much bigger than that. The kingdom is the rule or the reign of God. Jesus and John are telling us that a new era is dawning for example, how we use the term presidency as the presidency of Abraham Lincoln. It refers to the things that happened during his administration and because of the work of him as president. Likewise, if we're referring to a monarch, the kingdom happened during the reign of the king and because of the authority of the king. If we think of the first few chapters of Genesis, we see that Genesis, and likewise all of Scripture, is about God's power plan. We see in Genesis 1, He is the one in charge of creation. and there His reign is easy to see, as He brought everything that is into existence. His kingdom is apparent to us. However, Mankind soon began seeking their own way. They were not submitted to the rule of God. And the story pivots to focus on the power and authority of human beings. From the human standpoint, the reign of God slips into the background of their rebellion. But God was faithful and promised his kingdom would be reestablished. And after centuries of waiting he sent the herald John telling people to prepare and he sent his son Jesus to proclaim the good news of the coming kingdom those who listened could that things were going to change the reign of god makes a difference in people's lives in the latter half of chapter 1 of mark Jesus begins to show us, tell us what life looks like when we submit to God's reign, when you put him in charge of your life. And so in verse 21, Mark tells us about Jesus teaching in the synagogue with those who heard in amazement at the kind of authority his teaching displayed. Like no other, they had ever heard. He further showed his authority and power in an encounter with a man possessed by an evil spirit. The demon recognized his authority and power. As the man, at Jesus' command, we continue in verses 29 through 36. Jesus showed his authority. And illness. By healing Peter's mother-in-law of a fever. Keep in mind, this was long before aspirin or Tylenol. A fever to us is something that comes and goes. We control it. But in their era, could lead to death. It was not a minor occurrence, but a symptom of a severe illness. Healing is an indication that things are changing because of the kingdom of God, because of the rule of God. This is further reinforced by the whole town of Capernaum coming out to ask Jesus for healing. And Jesus responded, many of them from the bondage of disease and demonization. In verses 38 and 39 of chapter 1, Jesus spread the good news of the kingdom throughout Galilee. By his preaching and healing. In 40 through 45, Jesus healed a man of leprosy who appealed to him for cleansing. He had heard and seen the good news of the kingdom and believed that Jesus could cure him. In spite of the crowds coming to him, there appears to be some reluctance from Jesus to receive too much pers- publicity. He refused, for example, to let the demons bear testimony to him. Maybe he didn't want the testimony of evil spirits. Um, But I think there's more to it than that. The miracles he performed were so overwhelming, and the message was astounding, that his popularity was actually hindering his mission. His mission included healing, because that was part of the reign of God. God's authority over evil. However, Jesus wanted nothing, nothing at all, even his own popularity, to interfere with his opportunity to proclaim the message, and he does not state it at the be- and he does not state it at the beginning of his ministry. But he did not want popularity to interfere with his mission of offering himself on the cross, and so he waited on his father's timing, to fulfill that reason, that mission, why he came to this earth. Why else did Jesus heal? Well, simply because he had compassion on those who were by the powers of evil. God's desire from the beginning was to have a people among whom he could dwell forever and ever. But there's a power struggle going on for the lives and hearts of people. And in his compassion and love, Jesus hoped to share with people what life could be like because of God's kingdom. His miracles also serve as proof of his divine authority. Mark records several miracles of various kinds, as we learned before. And one of those types of miracles are healing miracles only classifies his miracles, Mark that is, only classifies Jesus' miracles three times as the word miracle, a word that means act of power or powerful deed. In the other miracle instances in Mark's gospel, rather than try to to categorize or identify Jesus' actions, Mark simply describes what happened. He simply puts it out there for us. Just as if we were among the first audience who saw and heard, we too experience it in that way, and we see Jesus' great power. They recognized, and we can as well, that no one else could do the things that Jesus did. With all of that as background, we come to our text for today, Mark chapter 2, Verses 1 through 12. <clears throat> a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing a paralyzed man, carried by four of them I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. In Mark 2, 1 through 12, Jesus once again demonstrates his power and authority as he deals with a paralyzed man brought to him. Crowds had begun to... This time he happened to be indoors and was preaching to a packed house, standing room only, pouring out the doors, shoulder to shoulder, no access. Not even through the doors and windows. A bigger opening like that just gave a chance to force more heads and hands and feet closer to Jesus. The dirt floors of the house had no basement under them. No one already inside with a coveted seat wants to give up their space to anyone else. Modern U.S. church growth principles tell us if a church building is more than 80% full it's too full and you'll begin to see diminishing returns from your growth. I guess know the rules their big concern what do you do if you want to get close to Jesus and in this case it's not just admitting one person it's admitting four friends and a paralyzed man on a stretcher put yourself in the scene Maybe one of those people who already have a place inside what's your reaction People have come to hear Jesus preach. What do you do if someone disrupts all of that? If someone usurps your time and space? If someone interrupts the teacher with their own agenda? You can imagine what the reaction would have been when it came to these four ingenious friends. And we are right to call them friends, I think, because of what they did for this. They could see only one solution, only one direction, one approach that would get them close to Jesus. They would lower the man down from above. Nor them then. So they took the outside stairway onto the flat roof of the house and began with audacity to tear away at the stucco, the stone, and the thatch that was between the roof timbers. Until they had, a they put an instant light in someone else's living room, and lowered their hand to Jesus. By now, Jesus' original teaching has gone off the rails, as attention to the commotion in the room. But they're about to see something that's perhaps even greater than heard up to this point. They're see the kingdom of God in action. Jesus knew that they were not just looking out of curiosity, they were not just looking for a quick fix, a physical healing, it's more than that, apparently, they wanted Jesus faith he had compassion but he also saw a way to teach about himself and his great authority Their sins are forgiven the people were shocked especially the recognized teachers of the law who were quickly becoming jesus opponents who was he who was they thought only god could forgive sin claiming to be god any charlatan can can claim to forgive sin we want to see a miracle as proof that was in it tells us jesus knew in their thoughts he knew what they were rising he surprised them by asking, which is easier to forgive sin or to heal this paralyzed man? Now think about it carefully. Of course, the easier is to say to someone, given. How's anybody going to check on that? How's anybody going to? with that and so they thought they had Jesus he says what's easiest to say your sins are forgiven there's no objective proof but if you say to someone get up and walk immediately your authority and your ability are proven or disproven by the actions of the paralyzed person As if Jesus' mind reading were not enough, he truly shocked them with his next words. Speaking first to the teachers, he said to them, so that you may know that I have authority on earth to forgive sins, to the paralyzed man, get up and walk home. And he did. Jesus did the more difficult act of physical healing as a sign to prove he had the authority to do the infinitely more important act of spiritual healing. Which is the greater miracle? Which is truly the more difficult? Only God can forgive sin. That was a true statement from Jesus' enemies. They had that right. Only God can forgive sin. What they had was they hijacked that by their false assumption that Jesus was not God and therefore that he was blaspheming. Their reliance upon the spectacular, the miraculous, caused them to miss the nature of Jesus himself. He was God. He could do these things because of who he was and we see the kingdom of God coming among them as things happened that could only be done by God. People today look for signs too. We like the spectacular and we keep pushing to the next level. Every time we see something, the next time we we expect something greater. Think of spectacular things you have seen, one that came to my mind back in the mid-70s, we lived in the Boston area and had the chance to spend July 4th one year with the Boston Pops Orchestra performing the 1812 Overture, complete with church bells, cannon, and fireworks. That was exciting, to say the least. That was one of those things that makes your heart pound. But I'm sure if we were to go there today, the celebration is even more astounding more amazing because this was took place. Every two years, the people of the world worship the God of sport with the Olympics and with every opening and closing spectacular, striving to outdo the previous one and to raise the status of the host country in the eyes of the world. Every year in February, we worship the God of football with the Super Bowl and its infamous halftime show that pushes the boundaries in many ways every year. It has nothing to do with football, but everything to do with people's expectations that it be more and more and more a testimony to the human spirit of, re- of creativity. People have always wanted to see miraculous healings. Some churches even that we have the right to demand God to give us a miracle and to expect that it's bigger and better than what others have received. But in our search for the spectacular, is it possible we're missing God at work in our lives? We search for the spectacular, but want to deny or ignore the plain words and promises of, the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's pretty true of nature isn't it In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 22 through 24 this is what Paul says Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles but to those whom God has called both Jews and Greeks Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God God's greatest and most difficult act has been performed through Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection are we looking for something for God to do something more spectacular at at it may be easier for sin, but there is nothing greater than God's provision for the forgiveness of sin. I'm going to go back a long ways here to a song that was popular when I was a child. And this is the l- the lyrics to it. My father is omnipotent, and that you can't deny. A god of might and miracles. It's written in the sky. It took a miracle to put the stars in place. It took a miracle to hang the world in space. But when he saved my soul, cleansed, and made me whole, it took a miracle of love and grace. What is our reaction to God's power? Which is easier for you to believe? Some spectacular act of God in your life? Or his simple words your sins are forgiven. Do you believe in Jesus' power to forgive sins? Do you accept the and straightforward truth of the gospel? No lights, no siren, no bells, no whistles, just the promise and power of God through Christ.